This is the Passive Real Estate Podcast, the premier podcast for passive real estate investors. Matt Jones interviews experienced passive investors who share their industry secrets and active investors who show you different ways to invest passively. Welcome back. I'm Matt Jones. And today on the Passive Real Estate Podcast, I welcome Michael Elefante. Michael became financially free at age 27, just 12 months after making his first investment into short-term rental properties. He currently owns seven short-term rentals that brings in over a million dollars per year in revenue and 500,000 in cash flow. Michael is the founder of BNB Investor Academy and the co-founder of Home Team Vacation Rentals and Summerland Designs. Michael, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me. Uh, what else would you like the audience to know about yourself? Um, I mean, that's the skinny of it. I've been, uh, you know, established myself, not necessarily all by accident, but I, by, by accident at first to be one of the the lead influencers in the in the short term rental and real estate space um, on Instagram, TikTok, and and YouTube as well. So yeah, if you guys, you know, maybe you've seen my content. If you haven't, definitely check me out. But I, I share a lot of free information there. So hopefully, you guys can learn something, and it might inspire you to get started as well. Excellent. And how did you get started in real estate investing? So I was a former college athlete. And once that career came to a screaming halt, I was figuring out what I wanted to do with myself, what I didn't really have any other passions outside of that. So I got a job like most people do out of college. And I was doing cold calling for a sales gig and I hated it every second of it. So I was like, oh, well, it'll get better if I work up the corporate ladder. If I make more money, it'll get better and I'll be happier. So I did that multiple times, changed jobs several times still wasn't happy, you know? So I was like, man, maybe I need to like remove myself from spending time doing something I don't want for income and stumbled into a bunch of books, a bunch of YouTube podcasts, learned about real estate, different strategies. And the goal was to become financially free in like five to 10 years. 10 years was kind of the ideal goal. And then I was like, man, two to $500 a door doesn't really get, I need like 50 properties to hit 10K a month. So started to look at other strategies, stumbled into short-term rentals when I was actually moving from Austin to Nashville at the time with my wife for a new job. We stayed in an Airbnb and I started to crunch the numbers. And I'm like, these numbers are real. This is ridiculous. Like, why isn't everybody doing this? Um, and I still don't know why everyone is not interested in doing this because the cash flow can be so substantial. So it took me a couple of years of just like thinking about it and research before I finally like grew the courage to take action. We bought our first short-term rental at the end of 2019, quickly realized the cash flow was very real. If you do the right research and implement and execute and manage appropriately or hire the right management. Um, and then we were all in from there. So liquidated our retirement accounts to get our second property, saved up for the third, partnered with somebody on our fourth, quit our jobs um, just 16 months after making that first investment. We were financially free technically about 11 or 12 months after that first one uh, based on the cash flow. So pretty crazy ride. Now we're up to seven properties, um, just kind of living our best life. But that that is like the skinny of our story the past couple of years. Excellent. Congrats. Uh, is there any particular kind of property that you're looking at or a niche that you're focused on? Yeah. So I have properties in both vacation markets and you know, more short-term rental, like urban markets. So I have properties in Nashville, the Smoky Mountains, Asheville, North Carolina, down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. But for me, I'm, you know, as I've scaled, I'd rather have, because short-term rentals is not entirely passive, especially if you're self-managed. You can automate a lot through tech, through VAs, if you hire somebody, and it can be mostly passive, but it's still more active than a syndication or, you know, multifamily, just hand the keys off to a big box PM and let them run with it. So for me, I'd rather focus on bigger properties with substantial cash flow, six, 10, $12,000 a month in net cash flow 
versus having 10 properties that produce that same level of income. So I've, I've been very particular about where we invest and what types of properties that can produce that level of income. Of course, we do have a stringent uh, cash on cash return metric that we're after, which is 20 to 25% conservative um, number. Um, so that's really it. And then I'm open to all markets across the country. You can do this from anywhere. Uh, once they're set up, you can manage them remotely. So for me, it's really a bit more just like aligning with a property that aligns with my investment criteria and just going after it. Can you break down an example of one of these properties that you have? Yeah. Yeah. I can break down the most recent one. Um, this is, you know, not going to be super relatable for a new investor, but um, we bought a property in Asheville. Actually, it's pretty great because we had under appraised value, under asking price, and they paid for $20,000 of our closing costs. Kind of just shows you where we're at in the market today, where interest rates are a little bit higher, but it was a $980,000 purchase, a 6,800 square foot home. Um, and it just was like a world of opportunity. It had a giant driveway with two basketball goals already on a huge basement. So it now has a four hole putt putt course on the front terrace, a fire pit, hot tub, a pickleball and basketball sport court, a massive game room, poker area, home gym, basically very amenity rich is what we're after. Um, but we dumped in quite a bit of money. I think we were all in about 26% down, which is more than we usually put down. We did a conventional loan. Um, so we were beyond the conventional loan limit. And then we spent money on design and furniture and then rehab. So we we're all in like 600 grand. So again, this is an example, but if you just break down the numbers and do it on a smaller scale, they still apply. But this type of property has a chance to bring in three to 400 plus thousand dollars a year in rents. So, and our cash flow on that could be 150 to $250,000, which is quite substantial, but it's one property. So that's what gets me so excited about short-term rentals is building up to that, um, that level. Excellent. Yeah. That's a pretty good return. Um, and so how are you finding these deals? So I'm, I'm again, I'm looking on Zillow, um, working with local real estate agents once I lock in a specific market. So I'll do a bunch of market research. If I'm looking at vacation markets, I want to know what is steady. Uh, if an economic downturn happens, where do people still visit? Typically that's driving distance from major metropolitan areas. Um, so they're looking for quick vacation getaways, like mountains, lakes, beaches, where they don't have to spend a ton of money on entertainment aside from just the accommodations and the travel to get there. So people I think are still always going to visit those places. So that's why I like the smoky mountains, the beaches in Florida or on the East coast, West coast, whatever it may be. And then if I'm looking in an urban area, I want to see decent, if not already established or growing tourism. So a place like Nashville, Tennessee, and then it also has a growing population because then it will support that investment from people that are not just vacationing there, but if people are moving there and there's a growing population, there's going to be a higher pressure on to keep supply in the housing market low. So people will need midterm rental availability that are furnished for them and their family to stay while they're waiting to find a place to live. There's also corporate housing available for companies that are moving there and have work relocation. So they will, they will place people in, you know, shorter midterm rentals for the time being. So there's lots of different clientele in those types of markets. So those are like the two big ones. And then I look on AirDNA, I look at where the top properties are and I just zone in on a map on where those dots are. And then two, three, four, five bedroom properties, you can start to notice the trends on what the revenue potential is and then what amenities they have, what design they have. And I take that bucket of criteria and I hand it off to a, an, an experienced agent who's worked with short-term rental investors before. And then they just feed me properties that are short-term rental permit eligible based on that city's guidelines. And then I just run the numbers and I weed out all the ones that don't work. And then I just tackle the ones that do. And it's a very you know, streamlined process and it doesn't have to be overcomplicated, but that's how I narrow down my markets and narrow down the properties and ultimately make offers. 
Yeah, that makes sense. You know, earlier you mentioned that, uh, well, short-term rentals are not completely passive. There are the things that you can do to make them more and more passive. Uh, what are some of those things? Number one is leveraging software. So this is, this is what is, software has basically democratized the short-term rental space for the everyday investor over the past five to 10 years. Think 20 years ago, when you and your family went to the beach, you stopped by an office, picked up keys. They had cleaning on staff. They had maintenance on staff. They lived local. And then you would go check into the unit. And at checkout, you would go drop the keys off, so on and so forth. So nowadays, you can automate the check-in. You have Wi-Fi enabled locks, security measures. You have Wi-Fi, everything smart, smart tech in the house. Um, and you can automate all the check-in instructions, automate calendar syncing with your cleaners through apps. So you have property management software, which can you know, delegate 90% of the guest messaging, check-in instructions, check-out instructions, house rules. It'll auto-review the guests on many occasions on Airbnb. Um, then you can use something like Turna or resort cleaning. So anytime I get a reservation, cleaners know about it. They know when to clean. Um, they mark that it's done. They can follow checklists and um, pricing. You can even automate the majority of pricing through dynamic pricing solutions or software such as Price Labs or Wheelhouse. Um, those are both great tools. Um, and like, it's just crazy, all this tech. So 90% of the day-to-day, -day, which was more like the monotony of running as a property management organization is now gone. You still have that other 10%. So responding to issues directly from guests, if they call you or message you over the app, um, this is where you can either hire somebody in-house or you can leverage a virtual assistant, which is becoming you know, more popular nowadays, very cheap, cheap labor for four to seven bucks an hour. And it's really a product of your coaching ability. So, and it's same as an, an internal employee. You have to just show them and give them good um, SOPs on, you know, how to respond to guests, what to say, when to say it. And if you train them well enough, they can take away like the, the next 9% and it's like 99% passive for you at that point. So leverage tech and then leverage other, other people and resources. Excellent. And where are your uh, VAs located? Uh, we have VAs mostly in the Philippines and then also I think Venezuela for my property management company, which we ended up building. Um, and then we have around eight employees well, as well. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so I guess how, what is your role in all of this? Like how, how much active work do you have to do? Now, mm -hmm. very little. I mean, I spend maybe 30 minutes a week just checking on pricing and some other things for my properties because I still look over my personal properties pricing. Uh, but since my business partner and I have built out the property management company, of course, you could you could just right out of the gate if you wanted to leverage a PM, you could. I always encourage people to self-manage for the first few properties and then delegate because you'll save a lot of money to be able to reinvest faster. Um, but my role is really more like, think like chief revenue officer. I'm focused on the business growth and like where the ship is headed. Um, and then my business partner, Elliot's more CEO day-to-day -day or COO day-to-day, -day, kind of making sure all the ops are in place, all the employees are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and I just try and help bring in new clients and grow the revenue from that standpoint. But as far as my personal investments, it's really just responding to every so often an issue that a VA or one of our employees is like, Hey, this is happening how do you want me to handle it? And that's like very rare. Um, so at this point it's, it's pretty passive. Nice. And what are the next steps for you? Next steps. I mean, next steps is just next investment. Uh, at this point, um, I'm growing several different businesses right now, which is great. So kind of, if you guys are familiar with cash flow quadrant, which is one of my favorite books is moving over from the employee or self-employed or specialized work side of the quadrant to investor and now business owner. And that transition, although it took a little bit of time to like fully grasp and develop, has been a massive change in my life. And if you guys are not familiar with that book, great read and highly recommend it. 
Excellent book, yes. Real estate is all about adding value to other people. An easy way to do that is to share this podcast with someone you know who wants to do more passive real estate investing. Also, subscribe and leave a review. Now, let's get back to the episode. So tell me about BNB Investor Academy. Yeah, so, you know, it's kind of funny. I never thought I would create content one and I never thought I would build a coaching program of any sort. But I became quite good um, with short-term rental investing setting up, managing and all that. I'm very vertically integrated with the different businesses I'm in at this point. Uh, but I was just sharing all the information I learned from day one on that first investment on channels like YouTube. And then I pivoted to TikTok and Instagram. And over the course of the next couple of years, I was relaying so much free information. I had a lot of people reaching out, asking for, for phone calls or Zoom. I was taking, I was doing free coaching for like several months. And then finally, a bunch of people were like, so how much does it cost? And I was like, nothing. And they're like, why? And so it was almost, they were skeptical. So they're like, if you built something, like I would buy it. So I was like, oh, okay. So then I learned about the, the mentorship and coaching space. And that intrigued me. It was something I actually enjoyed doing. So I built BNB Investor Academy. Um, it's been, it's been received more like way better than I ever thought possible. I've taught over a thousand people in the past two years on how to successfully find, invest in, set up and manage short-term rentals. Um, Tons of people have reached financial freedom, left their W-2 jobs. So yeah, if you guys have interest in that, just hit me up on Instagram. I respond to all DMs or you can go to bnbinvestoracademy.com. But essentially it's a six-month coaching program where we, you know, 25 plus coaching calls a month and then you get access to a bunch of video resources, all of my personal resources and tons of coaches, like specialized coaches as well to help you be successful. That's awesome. And then how about home team vacation rentals? Uh, what's that? Yeah. So Home Team Vacation Rentals is a pro vacation rental property management organization. And my business partner is actually one of the first people who actually took my BNB Investor Academy program. And then he started co-hosting, which is part of the program. We teach people how to get started co-hosting, basically managing other people's property for a percentage of their revenue. And you know, he and I both knew there was the reason we like to self-manage is because a lot of the legacy PMs do a really bad job. Like it, there's no other way to put it. They underperform meaning they do a bad job of revenue management. They do not maximize. They don't squeeze all the juice out of the lemon, the lemon being your property, juice being the cash flow for you. And they they just under deliver, like they just do a poor job. So he decided to start co-hosting and he approached me. He's like, you want to build a company? I think we can basically scoop up a lot of really good business if we just do a great job and apply the same principles that we're doing on our own investments for homeowners. And so I said yes, ultimately. And that's what we've been doing. So we started that less than a year ago, and we've just about to cross a hundred properties under management um, today, which has been a whirlwind of success, but also at the same time, we've kind of had to pump the brakes on growth a little bit because, um, you know, if you grow too fast, then you're going to have more speed bumps and you don't want to have to pull back. But yeah, home team, if you guys have interest or let me rephrase that. If you have no interest in self-managing, which I encourage you to try, um, or if you just don't have the time to do it, you've reached a point of scalability where you, you have to outsource, then yeah, hit us up and we'd love to talk to you about your property. Are you uh, nationwide? Yeah. Yeah. We do operate nationwide. We're definitely, you know, more focused in certain areas or more concentrated, if you will, in the Southeast, but we have properties in Seattle, Texas, um, Arizona, the Northeast and Maine, New Hampshire. So kind of, kind of all spread out. Excellent. So uh, that, that's a good way to find your, uh, for our listeners out there to find your property management. Uh, how would you recommend people to find other members for their team, like uh, a VA or cleaners and people like that? Yeah, VA, there's a couple sites. Honestly, just go to Google and just type in how to find a VA and like the top few sites will pop up. Um, and I would just go on there, look at the reviews and you can start interviewing people. Cleaners, you can find cleaners on Turno. 
which is a turnover cleaning service software. Um, you can put out a property and you can have cleaners bid on your property. Um, uh, but the other way is honestly just networking. You can ask your real estate agent, you can ask other investors, you can ask in Facebook groups and just start interviewing cleaners, make sure they're a good fit. Um, and they do everything that you require them to do. But yeah, yeah that's uh, networking is probably going to be your best friend for any resource maintenance, cleaning, stuff like that. Excellent. And then tell me about your other company, uh, Summerled Designs. Yeah. So this is what I mean when we're vertically integrated, it just kind of all things happen naturally. Summerled, Bree and Jordan um, are my business partners there. And Bree and her husband, Logan, were one of my first ever coaching clients. And they quickly scaled multiple properties. And she had a pretty good talent in marketing and also in design. And her best best friend, Jordan, is an interior designer. I was working at a company. She had since left that company to help start Summerled. Um, and now we have several employees there. But we design vacation rentals from coast to coast. So we can do ver uh, remote design where we select everything, give you a book to hand off to a contractor, or if you want to do it yourself, install all the furniture, you have to still procure it, or we'll even procure and do everything and set up your, uh, ourselves to go, go to the location. So I've had clients that use summer lead and they live in Columbus. They have a property in Scottsdale. They've still never been to the property in Scottsdale and they're cash flowing like five to eight grand a month, which is crazy. So they just outsource design from the get go. So yeah, summer, summer lead's amazing. That company's growing too fast. We, we can't hire fast enough, but we're, we're picky on who we hire, right? Cause we want to make sure the quality never dips on the design or fulfillment side of things. But yeah, if you guys have interest in um, outsourcing design, which is the, in my opinion, the most challenging aspect of short-term rentals and vacation rentals and the most critical, because that's, what's going to help you, um, be relevant longer and compete in, in, uh, competitive markets. That's fantastic. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I guess yeah. uh, that seems like the worst part for me. Anyway, if I was to start at Airbnb, like, okay, what uh, kind of furniture, what paintings should I put on the wall? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You have to definitely build the vision, right? I mean, what, what type of design, what amenities, what things within that property, what spaces are people looking for when they're traveling? And it, and it's people have short attention spans. What's going to get them to click on your one photo, your listing to get to a splash page of five photos and dive deeper into the rest of your listing. How do you capture their attention? So you have to think with the end product and, and online marketing in mind, and ultimately what are people willing to pay more for your property versus the one next doors? So it is very critical. And as, as more listings come online in every market, then you know you never want to compete on price. You want to compete on value. And if you compete on value, you're going to stay relevant longer and, and make more money. So there's definitely a, an ROI correlated to, to design for sure. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of uh, crap holes out there on, on Airbnb and such, but you got to stand out, I think. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what's the problem that you encountered with a real estate investment and how was it handled? Um. Honestly, one I haven't had a ton of major problems. The the one problem I did encounter though is I didn't pull a permit, and this is literally like the first rehab I did. We did it kind of on our own down in Florida. We didn't pull a permit for the, some of the rehab in the backyard, and and a neighbor called on the last day and like ratted us out, I guess. And um, anyways, the reason we didn't is because I've heard from the contractors that it was taking months to get permits approved. So we didn't want to take the time to do that. And we understood that if we got ding, then we would still go through the permit process and pay a fine and whatever. But I think that may have been a mistake because when we got dinged, they were a huge pain in my ass. The, the city of Fort Lauderdale was, and they, we provided documentation and documentation, letters from engineers, this, that, and the other. And they kept nitpicking at the silliest things and then delay, delay, delay. Um, and we're, it's been like a year 
and we're still almost, we're finally almost buttoned up with that whole permit process, but it's just been uh, just a pain. So yeah, I guess a way to overcome that is just like, just go through the process as annoying as it is to just get necessary permits, even if it's for something simple, like building like a six inch raised deck in the backyard. <laughs> good, good lesson to learn, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, this past year, there was a lot of uh, internet hate against Airbnb, you know, people down, you know, you know, complaining about all the extra cleaning fees and things like that. Uh, have you noticed an impact on your rentals? No, not really. I mean, I think people like to complain, but for those people, one, they're probably going to still go stay in Airbnbs or two, they're just going to go stay in hotels, which is fine. Um, people don't understand that they're still cleaning fees in hotels and there's the same taxes. It's just the hotels do a good job of bundling it into the rate. Um, where Airbnb, I think is a little more transparent and I think they give you the option now to actually toggle on all in one price. So you don't even see the breakdown until checkout, uh, which is cool. But now I haven't seen, seen much. I, I do see a lot of people kind of complaining online, but it is what it is. I mean, we, we pay our cleaners well, and, um, we try and have a good consistent experience for guests and it requires people's time to clean a house. And it's not just cleaning, a 200 square foot hotel room, you know, some of these properties are 6,000 square feet. So it's several hundred dollars just to, just to clean it. Um, so yeah, it's just part, it's just part of the game, but. Yep. That makes sense. Okay. Are you ready for a speed round? Sure. What's your favorite part about passive real estate investing? The financial freedom, hands down, being able to have unilateral control of your time. So I don't have to go work a nine to five. Um, last week I was in Cabo for like five days and when I come back, came home, it's not like I have to go back to my, to my job and to my boss. So you can kind of just take full control of your time, do whatever you want. Excellent. What do you know now about passive real estate investing that you wish you knew when you first got started? Um, honestly, that no form of real estate is truly passive unless you're just investing money into a fund or syndication. Um, you still have to do your own research. You still have to go find property in some way, shape or form, whether you're using software or doing it manually. Um, and then setting up the property, but, um, you know, you can find ways to automate as much as possible, even if it's a short-term vacation rental to, to create a more passive stream of income. But I would just go out on a limb and say, I think I was naive to that when I first got started was, oh, it's going to be real passive. I'm just going to sit back and not have to lift a finger, but you still have to at least educate yourself and make good investment decisions out of the gate. In addition to cash flow quadrant, is there any other book that you can recommend to other investors? Yeah. The millionaire, what is it? The millionaire real estate investor. I think his name's Gary. I forget, but Gary Keller. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Keller is a really good book. Uh, honestly, just one key takeaway. If I, if I may, I, I just remember golden nuggets from specific books, but this one was uh, the term return on equity. And this changed some of the trajectory of my own investments, but a lot of people just focus on return on like cash on cash return, the cash out versus the total dollars in um, cash, cash return is going to go up if rents go up each year. But return on equity actually goes down because your equity position is probably going to grow at a, a more accelerated pace than your cash flow will. So what a lot of real estate investors do is they'll tap into that equity if they know they can get a higher ROE, return on equity, by taking some of that out through cash out refire HELOC and then moving it to two separate places, right? So for me, that was a huge takeaway. But anyways, great book, guys. I highly recommend reading and they'll explain more about that in there. Excellent. Yeah, and you can access that equity uh Tax-free, essentially, with those, exactly. which yep. is nice. Uh, how can our listeners get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what you have going on? Yeah, just hit me up on, honestly, Instagram's, you know, I'm responsive on all social media, but Instagram's probably the the one I spend the most time on now nowadays. So yeah, just shoot me a DM. 
um, or just go to the website, bnbinvestoracademy.com and um, go from there. But yeah, I would love to hear from you. Great. Is there anything else you want to mention that we haven't covered yet? No, no, I don't think so. Um, that's, that's about it. The only piece of advice I'll leave you guys with is there's no time like the present. I think someone commented on one of my posts the other day where I was talking about some success in real estate the past few years and what it's done for me in my life. And people are like, yeah, well, the, only if we all invested three years ago, like you did. And I said, that's what everyone has said to every real estate investor for the past hundred years. <laughs> it's always the best time to invest was always three years ago for the most part, you know, unless it was 2011 and 2008 was the three years ago, then it might be a different story. Yeah, exactly. You're not in competition with anyone else. You're just trying to do the best that you can. Yeah. Yeah. But just always uh, try and try and, um, you know, have that regret minimalization framework. You don't want to have another three years go by and be like, shit, well, three years ago would have been great if I invested then, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, get yep, started. Very, very true. All right. Well, thank you, Michael, and have a great rest of your day. Awesome. Yeah, you too. Thanks. Subscribe to this podcast to stay updated on new episodes. Leave a review to let us know that you enjoy the content. There are tons of ways to invest in real estate that you can explore by reading Matt Jones's book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes many top real estate books all in one. Find it on Amazon, Audible, iTunes, Google Play, or barnesandnoble.com. If you want to learn more about passive real estate investing, go to hawkwingcapital.com.